Hi and welcome to the Courageous Mama podcast. It's lovely to have you back with me today. I hope you're having a great week. I know for us here in the UK, we're looking at going back to school and getting all the things prepared and ready for that. In the US, I think you've already gone back. In Australia and New Zealand, you very sensibly have your end of year at the end of year, don't you? (laughs) Here in the UK, uh, it's a bit balmy because we have two New Years. We have the obvious one in January and the real one in September when the school year starts. So over here, it's buying stationery, school uniforms, unless you're one of those very organised people and more power to you who bought it all in July, in which case I just hope the school shoes still fit. This time last year, I had one child moving from lower school to sixth form, and that required a different blazer. So I asked for the old blazer when he came in on the last day of the summer term, because it was still on him, and I thought, well, therefore it's locatable, rather than being shoved at the back of the cupboard, possibly forever. At which point he turned around to me and he said, well, then I'll need to swap over my yoghurt spoon. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he proceeded to pull out a teaspoon from the top pocket and he started to pick the pocket fluff off it ready for transfer into the new blazer and me and some of his siblings sat there watching with kind of lemon faces until one of them said how long has that been in your pocket for and he said well since year seven of course (laughs) grim but he's probably got a very strong immune system by now So this week, I'm going to answer a few of the questions that you've been sending in, and they're great. It's lovely to have the feedback, and it's lovely to know that you're listening and you're engaging and that you're appreciating the help. And it's good to know what you're wrestling with. So what I've chosen this week is um, aggression in children. How do we deal with it when they're pushing back or being aggressive or even biting or shoving or actually sort of manhandling friends or siblings. So I'm going to start with the little years and work my way up. But it's worth bearing in mind that all of these principles are relevant for all of the age groups. They're just different issues that we face as they get older. Let's begin with toddlers. That was one of the questions that was sent in. What do I do when my toddler bites their sibling. It was in this case and is often in this particular circumstance the case that a new baby had been born. Congratulations, there have been a few of those in lockdown and so what was happening here was that the toddler in this case and in your case it just might be an older child was biting the baby. Well I'd first want to say it's actually pretty common. It feels ghastly as a parent but it does happen but it still needs dealing with and preferably when they're still small rather than when they're bigger than you. So let's look at this with the soft love, strong love approach as I like to look at everything. So on the soft side, the chances are this little one is quite confused and fearful. Biting and aggression is an amygdaline reaction. That's the fight or flight part of the brain kicking in and overriding logic and rationale because it's fearful. You know when there's an oversized reaction that the amygdala is kicking in. And when the amygdala takes over, there's fear in the mix, no matter what age you are. If you have an oversized reaction, the chances are there's some fear in you, whatever that might be. So for this little one, perhaps they fear being undervalued or overlooked or displaced. 
feelings of rejection. So it's worth considering what you've put in place for the toddler or for a child that is biting or pushing or shoving or being aggressive to reassure them of your love and commitment at this time. Words, yep, they're helpful, always, but time is what they'll be looking for here. Consider making some time for that toddler or older child with mum or with dad and ask them which parent they want to spend some time with. It may be that they're trying to get dad's attention. It may be that mum is so busy with the new baby that they want a bit of one-on-one time with mum, but they'll be able to tell you they know what they want. And they never need loads of time. You might be thinking, oh my goodness, I can't cope with that. I've got the new baby and everything going on. And now I've got to take time out and have it separately with the toddler. And I would want to reassure you, it doesn't have to be a whole day at the farm park. It can just be 40 minutes. It can be a trip to the park, playing a game in a different room, time in the garden together, or popping out to get a drink or a treat. Have you got a friend or partner who could just cover you with the baby for a little while whilst you do that. Scheduling in a few of these will send a message to that child that they're still important to you and that you still value and love time alone with them. They'll be remembering those heady days when it was just you and them and wanting to have a few of those precious moments back. So on the strong side, we need to tackle the problem. And if you've listened to a few of the earlier podcasts, you'll be familiar with the expression, I manage me, you manage you. So what you say in these circumstances implies who's managing who. Let me give you an example. You might say, you can't do that to the baby or anyone, in fact. (laughs) Well, that's not managing you. It's an attempt to manage them. And the reality is they can do that to the baby. They just did. Or you might say, we don't bite or hit or punch or whatever it is that they've done. We don't do that in this family. That's a common one. And I get that. You're putting a value across. But once again, the we isn't strictly true. Because whilst you might not hit or punch or bite or push, they clearly do. So they won't relate to that. Another common one is you need. You need to be kind to the baby. We need to be kind to the baby. Well, that's definitely managing them. From their perspective, they actually don't feel the need at all to be kind to the baby in that moment. So what does that leave us with? Well, I think a clear I message is helpful here and then a consequence. So what does that leave us with? I think a clear I message is helpful here and then a value and then a consequence. So for example, It really upsets me when the baby gets hurt. That's your I message. You've owned it. It's your issue. You're managing you. Secondly, the value. I need to make sure all my children are safe. And then thirdly, you make your move. Now, you might say those words aren't going to do anything. If I just say it upsets me when the baby gets hurt, it's not going to stop my child from hurting the baby. Well, in the end, you need to and we can't do that isn't either. The point is you're sewing in a culture in your family. You're saying words and you're actually empowering that child to be able to say when you have moments when you're afraid or you're worried, you're allowed to express yourself. So you're just modeling something there 
the real difference is going to be made in what you do about it. So there are lots of different sentences that could convey how you feel and what your value is. I chose, I get upset when the baby gets hurt. I need to make sure all my children are safe. You might come up with something different. But the important thing is you're saying this is the effect that it has on me. And this is what I'm charged with. This is what I need to do as a parent. And now this is what's going to happen when you make that choice. And that's the consequence. Now, removing them is not to be confused with the naughty step. I really don't like the naughty step. I feel that there are so many more connected ways to separate a child from a situation. The naughty step has a label attached and labels bring about shame. A child can make a poor choice. It doesn't make them a naughty child. I don't think there's any such thing as a naughty child. I think there are children who make poor choices. And after all, a step can't be naughty. So I could go on. No naughty step. But the point is that there's a world of difference between evicting a child to a place alone in the house, i.e. the naughty step, and taking a child to a space and giving them a choice. The former, the naughty step or whatever you want to call it, is disempowering. The latter is empowering. But before we get to that, let's just go back to removing the child. I know for many parents, they're so keen to keep their connection with their child that they sometimes undervalue their own authority. They want the child's favour and they can't quite bear to get in there and remove a child. But I just want to say authority isn't lording it over someone or even taking the child's value away. It's not aggressive. It's not violent and it's not even unfair and it can be gently done. If we don't stand up for our home values, in time, our home values won't stand up. Oh, that's quite good. You can tweet that one. <laughs> Do you see what I mean though? We need to stand up for what we feel is valuable if we want those values to stand in our home. So take the child, possibly wriggling and screaming at this point, or at least having some sort of lung workout, but use gentle words. Take them to their room or a space in the home where they can make a choice. Let them know that you'd love them to come back into the kitchen or the lounge or wherever you all were when A, I've had a chance to calm down and get over what just happened. That's you making a choice and managing you. And B, when they feel able and ready to be gentle and kind or words of your choice. Let them know that you're sure something in the mix felt unfair to them and you want to hear all about that later if they'd like to share it. And I love you and I'm looking forward to you coming back in the room. Is it time consuming? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. It's even courageous because you're putting the choice back with them and you don't get to control that outcome. But empowered children need choices if they're to become empowered adults. And of course, they may well try to follow you out of the room. And that's when you might need to keep putting them back time and time again and reminding them that you need a couple of minutes also. And if they keep coming out, you might want to say two minutes is going to go to three minutes because I'm going to need a little bit more time. And you will find that if you keep doing that, they will go eventually. 
And at this point, you might want to even use a timer depending on their age and just set it for the right amount of minutes so that they know and you know when you're ready and then they can choose when they're ready after that timer has gone off. And try, whilst being gentle, not to labour the process because if it's a cry for attention, the longer the process takes, the more attention they're gaining from you. So why is all that different to the naughty step? Well, it has choices, it has no labels, it's affirming of their feelings and you own your own need for space. Valuing yourself in this scenario is really important, not just now, but in the teen years. Let me explain why. If you want them to be respectful now and in the future, you need to model self-respect. It's firm, but it's kind. You keep your connection in place. You don't shame them, but they know how it's going to work out for them next time they choose aggression. So let's move on to maybe when they're a little bit bigger and they wanted a toy that a friend had, for example. Now that might be in a setting with friends or um, in time in a playgroup when they come back again. And it may be that they've been wrong to start with, or it may be that they just saw something that they wanted and they used aggression. But initially, the response is similar. You scoop them up, you let them know that you understand that they're upset, but that you need to chat with them and take them to a place away from people. It's so embarrassing being addressed in front of others. And then let them know that actually it's not you that needs recovery time in this case, although it may be as well. But the child, the other child, needs time to recover from what just happened. And if it's safe, you can leave them there and return to the group, as we talked about in the first instance. But if it's someone else's house or an unfamiliar setting and they're very young, it will feel too strange for them to be standing there alone, won't it? So you may need to stand there with them. But as you wait with them, don't engage with them in your normal way. Just say, I'm just needing a little bit of time to calm down. Mum just needs a bit of time out. Dad just needs a bit of time out just to take a few breaths. Because if they get your undivided attention in that moment, we're back to negative attention causing the attention that they may well be looking for. But in either case, return later to what happened and let them know you'd love to understand. Often that snuggle up at bedtime can be a good moment for this, can't it? But if they share a room, perhaps create another space to do that. And they may choose not to. Remember, you're setting a culture here. You're not always trying for that immediate outcome. Most of what happens in family life isn't about the outcome in that second, although it feels like it in that moment, doesn't it? It's about setting a culture in. And the message here will be, I'm interested. I care how you felt earlier. And if you don't want to tell me now, then I'll leave it open and you can come and talk to me at another point if you want to. And they may well feel aggrieved and feel that they've got something to air. But if we don't give them that opportunity, they'll start to bottle things. Listening and understanding doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It just means hearing and affirming their feelings in that situation and holding back your take on it until they've processed how they felt. And then after that is the time to say how it looked from your angle and what values you want to uphold. And don't worry if a two-year-old isn't familiar with the word values. We don't actually have to water everything down. They'll get used to the language because you use it. 
and you use it in context. We speak full sentences to babies and that's how they learn to talk. So it's fine to talk in vocabulary that little ones don't fully understand and they'll grow into that. And if you feel that there's an ongoing issue, make some time outside of the heat of the moment and talk to them generally about how you feel about aggression and how they feel about other people being aggressive towards them. So it's a good moment to say, how about creating a value sheet with your children? Putting time aside as a family and talking about values and how we treat each other. What atmosphere we want in our home, what we do for one another, what we contribute. All those big questions that are around how we treat each other and how we want our home to be. You can discuss with them and you can get a little list together and you can pop it on the fridge door and that's who you want to be as a family. I know I mentioned it in an earlier podcast and one family came back to me recently having heard it and they've done this and they're so pleased with it. It's a great thing to have on your fridge and then when you're chatting through tricky moments you've got a shared value to refer to, one that they may well themselves have come up with. So moving on to a scenario where one sibling hurts another sibling and that can happen when they're very small or it can equally happen when they get a bit bigger. And the automatic reaction as a parent is often to turn to the child who's done the deed and sort of tell them off or sort that side of things out. But what's really helpful here is to rewire this automatic reaction and turn the fuss on the one who sustained the injury or the insult. Negative attention is still attention. So if a child using aggression attracts all the attention, the chances are they'll do it again. It's worked out for them. Even though it hasn't been pleasant, it's better than being ignored. And when you've attended to the child who was bitten or pushed or whatever, then you can turn to the one who did the hitting and so on and remove them. And remember, you're not punishing them. You're making your family a safe space. When you protect the family from their aggression, you're also sending the message to them, believe it or not, that you'll protect them too. It models self-worth. It shows that in an aggressive situation, we are allowed to defend ourselves. And that's a message that they might need later on in life when they need to protect themselves from verbal or physical issues. They've seen you do it. They know it's a value. But also remember, after the heat of the moment, to stand back a little and see if that child is getting the soft love, the parental attention that they need in order to thrive. I know that I've mentioned in an earlier podcast that I used to have 40 minutes once a month with each child at our local TGI Friday. There are better places, I grant you, but it's local and it's easy to get to and it just feels like a very different space to home. But a park or a cafe or a walk around the block is just as good, as long as it's intentional time. Chats on the way to the shops or on the way to sport are fine, but they're not picking the child out of the family and saying, I want to take time to spend time with you on my own. Next week, I'm going to talk about when they're rude to us and when they're even maybe aggressive towards us. And we'll talk about the teen years as well. But I did just want to finish this one by saying that quite often when children fall out, it's because they want the same thing, isn't it? And so I want to do a side note on sharing. Sharing isn't sharing if it's false. 
that's just taking. If something belongs to you, on the other hand, or belongs to the family, it's perfectly reasonable to set a time for each of them to have it if they can't agree fairly between themselves. That's valuing each person present. However, if something belongs to the child, you can hope that they'll share. You can force them to give it, but then you're back to managing them. And we're so much healthier when we're managing ourselves. Sharing is an act of kindness and it's very disempowering being forced or pressurised to share. Let some things belong to them. They won't learn to share unless they experience doing it out of their own free will and the lovely feeling that that gives them back. Sometimes they just want to preserve things that belong to them or to feel some sense of ownership and empowerment over their own things. So you can talk about sharing as a value, but prizing something off a child is bound to build anger if it belongs to them. We wouldn't put up with it as adults. So it's good to protect their rights as children, because if we don't, who will? Even when it's hard to stand back and watch a child not sharing. So thank you again for your questions. I hope that you found that interesting. If you like that kind of stuff, I think you'll enjoy my book. It's a beautiful, hardband, fully illustrated parenting book. And it's designed in such a way that you can pick out one page and read it, or you can read it cover to cover, or you can just do a chapter at a time and maybe process it with your partner or with a friend, or even do it with a group as a book club. I've had some people do that. So it's available to you as my listener of £5 off. You can go to my website, which is www.thecourageousmama.com. You can find that in the show notes. And also, I'll do the notes from today's podcast and I'll pop them in the blog so you can go and reference them or share them with a friend if you like. And speaking of sharing it with a friend, share this with a friend if you found it helpful. And keep your questions coming. I love hearing back from you. And if you haven't heard back from me, there's been a glitch in the process. So please email me again. I do respond to everybody. And remember that I also see parents on a one-to-one or two-to-one basis. If you want to nut out something in family life, it's reasonably priced. So it doesn't overwhelm you in family life. So I think you'll find that a nice surprise. And so for now, thank you for listening. And... See you next week.